Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Reverend Dr. Eileen Maddox with For Real Ministry. I am here. This is my first night, and so if you've heard that long pause, it's because I wasn't sure if I was supposed to go yet. But because I hear nothing else, I am going. Good evening, good evening. Today I want to um, introduce myself as I did, and I want to speak to you from the subject, Hands Off. Hands off. Um, Ever since I was told that this would be my assignment, that I would be coming to you all once a month, all I could hear in my spirit was, touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm. So I had preached this recently, but God really expanded the understanding, and I'm going to be preaching from Psalm 105 verses 7 through 15, beginning at verse 7. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were but a few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. And if you think you've heard that in another place in the Bible or read it there, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 7, excuse me, 16. And I'm just going to read a few of those scriptures and land in the same place. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. O descendants of Israel, his servant, O O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded for a thousand generations. Skipping down to verse 22, do not touch my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. 
Let us pray. God, you know why, you know who, you know when, and you know where. Take over now, God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, because you are my strength and my redeemer. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself so you kind of know where I'm going. I'm a southern girl. Um, Don't do well in the cold. I thank God for those of you who are throughout the world, throughout the nation. I like a little heat, and I like to be able to go outside without 10 layers of clothes on. Don't want to be naked either, okay? Uh, But there's some things that I want to bring to your attention about the Western culture. And I'm, I'm not talking about United States Western. I'm talking about Europe and other areas. The Western culture of the Christian church tends to put things into a dichotomy. It's either this or it's that. It's either um, black or it's white. And often they refuse the, the construct of something being gray or different from one or the other. And when you do that, sometimes you mix up opposites or you tend to take on one thing as opposed to the other. But There is one thing true about the church of God, and that is the unity that we represent. When Jesus talks about coming back for his bride, he doesn't come back for a toe or for a finger. He comes back for the complete body that he has created from eclectic pieces. He has determined that we as a people, speaking in terms of believers, belong to him. We are a part of a complete structure. There's not one or the other. There is not up nor down, Jew nor Gentile. Come on, y'all. It is the unity, the fineness, the width of the hips of the of the bride from one nation to another. It is the length and the height of the bride that reaches the highest mountain and touches the lowest valley. It is the completeness of the bride. It is something that God is creating even now that is the bride of Christ, the collective of all that is God Mm. in human. So, You ask yourself, you know, why is it we think of the body of Christ or we think about our connection to Christ in our personal salvation? Well, the personal salvation takes us to a place where we become a part of the body. So you do have to choose to be a part of the body. But once you get there, it's no longer just about you. And one of the things that happens as we step into the scripture in Psalm 105, or even when we look from First Chronicles, First uh, Chronicles chapter 16, we recognize the fact that there is a celebration that is directly connected to being the people of God. 
the people of God at that time, what it, let me take you to where we are in the scripture. David has just danced his clothes off in Chronicles. He has just shown out completely, ran all over the place. He has been shouting and running and dancing because his heart is full of thanksgiving. God has been good to him. He, God has shown him how much he loves him by keeping him even when things don't go right. God has been there, so he comes up with this psalm, with these words of thanksgiving, with this reflection of how God works. He talks about how God remembers what he does because now he's in a place of celebration. His girl has even looked over at him and said it doesn't take all of that. Or uh, why are you running and dancing until your clothes are falling off? Don't you know that you are royalty and you should be positioned a certain way and you should act a certain way and you shouldn't be overwhelmed by what your God has done? That's the attitude But David says, I'm going to dance. I'm going to give God the glory because he deserves it and because he has done this not just for David but for the people of Israel. He has done unto them. He has helped them to bring the presence of the Lord into the place of God's people. He has bought in the altar. He has bought in to place the Ark of the Covenant. And if you need to know what the Ark of the Covenant is, it's basically a group of items that in antiquity God pulled together to represent his presence in the tent of covenant, in the tent that he had the people of God create to show the place of the inner, in the innermost of the innermost where God existed. But we know now that God is everywhere. So he was just excited about the fact that he was that God was with him. Do you ever get excited when you recognize that you are in the presence of the Lord? Do you get excited? Do you shout? Do you run? Or is your excitement, it could even be that you get quiet and you go inside and you just Oh, you're just overwhelmed by his presence. You may not say a word. You may just wave your hand. Or maybe you're somebody who just likes to sit still and breathe in the presence of God differently than you breathe in even knowing that oxygen is there because he's the one who made the oxygen. It is something else to find yourself on the side of victory where you know that you win. You know that you're a part. You're on the right team. You're with the right group. I didn't say you did everything right. I said you're on the right group. I said you're being perfected by the one who made you. He is constantly molding you, but he's got his hands on you, which means that you have the possibilities and the probabilities of you. You move beyond that and that you are being created. Ha! to become the greatness of God because you're his. Hallelujah. This is what is happening in these scriptures. Psalm 105 is just an extension of what is happening in, uh, with David in, in Canaan. 
he is be, it's not in Canaan, but as he is coming to the place where he recognizes that God will keep him and take him and will hold him in the place of victory. He has witnessed something that has built his faith and taken him to a higher place in Jesus. He has seen himself in the newness of God. He knows that maybe I'm not there yet, but I can get there. I see that God is taking me there. I recognize that God is with me. God has kept me. God has continuously been there. So I believe that we're going forward. I believe that I belong to God. Hmm. What does this whole piece mean? It means that these, these scriptures, the, the, uh, the scripture in Chronicles and the scripture in Psalm 105, it is simply a place of the building of faith because that is based on the fact that we are God. We belong to the Lord. We are in perfect peace because we are with God. We are getting the benefits of hanging out in the right crowd. What does it mean to be to belong to God? What are the benefits of belonging to God? What is the greatness of belonging to God? Well, I'm just here to tell you that I want to share those things with you. The first thing that is a benefit of belonging to God is having confidence, hallelujah, in an intended conclusion. And now we don't usually start with a conclusion, but the thing about being on God's team is that you become aware that you win. How can you lose? You're in the hands of the creator, the one who makes the beginning and the end. The alpha and the omega, meaning that he started something in you, he gathered some dust, he spit into it, he spat into it, and he created a human being. And as long as you belong to God, when you come apart, when you break, or when you are not on the right track, that same God can pick up that dust, can pick up that dirt that fell off the right way, and recreate it, and blow breath of life back into it, it means that you are being constantly manufactured for your greatness by the very creator of the universe. I think sometimes we forget and lose confidence in an intended conclusion that you will win, that you do belong to the right group. How can you be in the wrong group if you're hanging out with the creator? What can be wrong about that? Now, I didn't say that it would be easy. I didn't say that it is not a battle sometimes to stay in the right group. I'm not saying that the enemy doesn't know how to set you up and make you think that you belong somewhere else. What I'm saying is you can have confidence that you will win in spite of what it looks like, in spite of what it smells like, in spite of what it talks like, in spite of what it walks like, I'm telling you, you are a winner. Hallelujah. You can be confident 
in the intended conclusion, and that is that God already knew what he wanted to do with you from the foundation of this world. All you have to do is continue to be healed. He knows you're going to mess up Israel. He knows that you're going to fight battles that you're not supposed to fight. He knows that you're going to pick battles that you're not supposed to pick. But God has, has given us the confidence that in the end, if we remain his, that he has an intended conclusion of victory. The benefit of belonging to God is having confidence that God is God, having confidence that God has an intended outcome for you. It is having confidence in the conclusion of victory every time, on time, and in time. Yes, that's what it means. And we ought to be able to shout along, along knowing that we win. We shout it when we're thinking about our football teams or our soccer teams or our, any kind of teams that we are invested in across the world, soccer, well, they call it football, so I'm going to call it football, that kind of football. People are invested in honoring their whole country. They get excited. The World Cup is, even I watch the World Cup, and I don't have time for most athletic events anymore, but I will watch some of the World Cup because it's so exciting. We don't mind screaming to the top of our lungs or running till we can't run no more, trying to watch and see what's going on on the event. But we don't, we forget that we have the victory. We don't shout on the winning of our team. But guess what? We win. Or we'll cry when we're losing, but we forget to give God glory when we're winning. And we should be able to do it. Don't get lax and think because we're going to win that you don't have to uh, admire God's ability to bring us into the place of winning. All you got to do is live a little while, go through some hardships, have some situations that are just too much for you to carry, and you'll find yourself lost unless you remember that you win. One thing, before I go on to the next point, I like to tell people that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is not about a smile on your face. It's not about a giggle in your mouth. The joy of the Lord is knowing that you win, that there's already an intended conclusion to the process. Somebody say amen. There's already a There is joy when you have confidence in the intended conclusion. As your faith is being built, it's being built on the fact that no matter what we are going through, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Now, how you define making it is on you. Sometimes healing means leaving this world, but to be absent from this world is to be present with the Lord. Does that always feel good with us? No, but it's a win when you know that you're on the right team because ultimately we spend a little time on this earth. But we spend eternity in God. We spend eternity in Christ. 
that doesn't necessarily always make you feel good when somebody dies. But it ought to be that joy that sits in the back that says there is victory. Death, oh death, where is your thing? So one of the benefits of belonging to God is to have confidence in an intended conclusion. The second one is to be connected to the certainty. To be connected to certainty. Ooh, this time is going fast. <laughs> to be connected to certainty means that every promise that he has made is going to come true. Look, if God made a promise, <laughs> who's going to make it not happen? Our promises are, I don't care how strong you are, how much you try to live up to your word, you cannot predict whether you might not be able to fulfill a promise. All you can do is apologize and say, I had no control over the issue. Take somebody to a football game, but you might have a flat tire. You can promise that you're going to pick up somebody's child, but, hey, you don't know what can happen. They might get picked up by another family member. I don't know. I'm not trying to, to um, I don't want to focus on, what it is that we cannot do. I want to focus in on what God can do. He is going to do exactly what he said. Now, sometimes we don't do what we say, but he's going to do exactly what he said. This whole thing, this whole piece with David comes all the way down to our generation, but it started off with a promise of the land of Canaan for the children of Israel. So what's the big deal? You get the land of Canaan. What does this having Canaan mean? It is based on a promise. Now it becomes the promised land. And by it being the promised land, I said, Lord, what was so great about Canaan at that time? And it was because it was a mix of several cultures, and they called it the lowlands at that time. It is the region between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. It is the land promised to Abraham. Y'all, it was fertile. It was fruitful. What do we do? Why do we need this? I remember when I discovered why there are nomadic people. And I, I, I'm going to further say we are still nomadic people. All humans are. We're going to go where we can have food. We're going to go. We're going to find out where it is if it's not where we are. We're going to go to water. We're going to find out where it is, and we're going to get to where it is because that is how we flourish. That is how we become what I believe truly prosperous. I don't mean about money. I mean being able to eat, being able to drink, being able to walk, being able to talk, being able to thrive as human beings. And when we don't have it, we're in search of it. But here it is. God offers us this. Now, I will admit I have struggled when I see people who love the Lord and they're in a position where they can't move. They can't go to the place where there's water. They can't go to the place where there's food. They can't go to the place of prosperity in terms of being a human being. But God tells me that First and foremost, that's his business, and he knows why he allows everything that he allows happen. But God said we're in a position now where we can take that to that place. We don't all, sometimes the, nom, the nomadic 
nature of human beings is so that we can supply for those who cannot get to that place in that time. And that's where you have your missions open that. It doesn't mean that God has let back on his promise at all. It means there's something that we need to do as the body of Christ, not as one person, but because we are joined together, we are united in Christ, we are one in Christ, we are all of God's people. We are the bride that should be bringing to the others, hallelujah, that they might join the body. Somebody asked me, do you minister to somebody first or do you feed them first? And I said, I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear nothing. I want to eat. And I'm not talking about the kind of hunger that you got food still in your cabinet, but you hadn't eaten dinner yet. I'm talking about the kind of hunger that dwells in a place that is empty. In the Western culture, we're so used to having so much. Sometimes we forget what it really means to be hungry, what it really means to be tired, to not be able to find the resources necessary. And we forget that God has charged us with taking it to those who don't have it, even right here in America, even down the street from your own house. And let's go somewhere else in other countries where you're flourishing, maybe in your own way. How much as the bride of Christ are we making sure that we share, that we do what, because God didn't stop his promise. He's got, he's got people who can drive cars, and he's got people who invented airplanes. He's got people who invented what it takes to move one resource to another resource. He is the source, but he's given us the ability to be the resource. So he's never left us nor forsaken us. It's just that we get so caught up in what we want personally and not what the body of Christ has been charged to do. I'm just saying that happens sometimes. I know there are many people who are missionaries all over this world, including right here in my own backyard. But I'm saying that we we need not wonder why those who don't have it don't have it. What we need to do is take on our job as the body of Christ and prepare it and give it to those who need it. Look at here. He keeps us. At the time that this was happening, the believers, the Israelites at that time were small in number. Well, with as many as millions, pardon me, with the millions of Christians there are in the world, there are still more people who need to know God, who need to know Christ. But while we're trying to get that done, God is taking care of us. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, he is keeping us. He is keeping us from day to day. When it, when it reads, says, as, as few of us, and fewness of self found in, uh, in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 34, verse 30, coming from our, our scripture of today, yes, there were a few of them. I'm not, I'm not even saying that we're, we're small in number, but few in our ability to move forward as the body of Christ, but he keeps us anyway. He covers us anyway. He's con- we're connected to a certainty that we need to show other people. We need to show within the body of Christ, and we need to show beyond the body of Christ to bring the rest of the body in. It is always certain that God has provided. What is not certain is how we get to it, unless 
we are in the body of Christ. And if we're in the body of Christ and we are not doing what God has called us to do to take it to the nations, then that's a whole other subject. But let me get off my bandwagon so that I can finish this. So not only the, the benefits of being belonging to God is first confidence and in an intended conclusion. Number two is to be connected to certainty. Before I come off of that, this wants you to understand that God was still providing for his truth. He brought forward namely that concerning the possession of Canaan in Psalm 105. Everything revolves around this. The wonders and judgments have all for their ultimate design, the fulfillment of God's promise. Everything that happens, including what's happening now in the world, including the fact that there has been pandemic, including the fact that there are hurricanes and there are wars and rumors of wars and the weather is out of, all of that is going to get into place so that God's purpose is served. Is that how God wanted to do it? God didn't want sin in the world at all. He never set us up for sin, but he's taking care of us in the midst of it. He sent his son to teach us how to live human and divine. He recognized that it takes the process called sanctification to move from one place chronologically to another place chronologically, but in the kairos. In the end time moment, it is already done. So God has made a way, keeping his promise. We will be into a place of plush living, of green grass, so to speak, where the grass is greener, where there is prosperity in being, not money, in being, that we prosper as a human being, that we become who God has called us to be. His promise is still true. If you don't believe it, if you're in the body of Christ and you've been here more than five minutes, my prayer to you is that you're not who you were when you started, that when you started this program today, that you became someone else, that you are constantly changing because the word of God says, if no, when you accept Christ, you become a new creature. And every time we breathe in more about who God is, every time we take on being a disciple of Christ, we become more and more and more. And old things pass away and new things come to pass. Hallelujah. New things come to pass. So he's keeping his promise. We're becoming more. We're becoming people of the land of Canaan. And it doesn't require us to all be the same. I love this. I know this is a small off to the side, but the the fact that Canaan was made up of different cultures. Quit trying to excuse the culture and see what God wants to do with the culture. Everybody ain't going to like that because we're used to just taking on what is Europeanly set as a complete culture. But I know God created us to be different, and that means the culture. Now, it doesn't mean pick up everything about culture. It means the culture that is in line with his word, and how that looks and how that transpires is in what God did in, in calling us into himself. He didn't give us foot. If you're a hand, he didn't give you foot culture. I'm sorry. If you're, if you're a, a hip, he didn't give you arm culture. 
he wants to bring all of that together to create what is called the body of Christ. And he will do it because that is what Canaan is about. That is what living in the exceptional fertile place of God is all about. So we move from confidence in an intended conclusion, connected to certainty, to our last benefit covered in the combat. What you talking about there? Covered in the combat, covered in the fight, covered in the battle. He says, touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm. The only reason he could ever say that, I have a reason to say that, is what? That people would do this. I need to warn you not to, but I know that you're going to. I need to warn you not to, but I want you to know what's going to happen when you do it. There are people who are doing all they can to live through this moment in time, giving all they got. But the enemy knows that. So he is attacking at every, at the very level that you are extenu- extenuating yourself, that you are extending yourself, that at the very place where you are pulling yourself so that you can make it through, that you're stretching out, that you're, you're working out so that your arms grow longer. You're, you're stretching your legs so that your legs can grow lo- longer. You're trying to jump rope so that you can jump higher off the ground. You're trying to duck down so that you can know how to low crawl when you have to through this very life. You're trying to get along with people because you're stuck in a space with them. You're trying to make sure that you're able to provide for your family, even in the midst of your job laying you off. You're in the midst of trying to take care of business, and you can't go to take care of the very necessities of life because of what a disease is doing throughout the entire world. You can't be with family like you want to be because of what's going on in the world. You can't, you can't travel like you may need to because of what's going on in the world, and it gets worse. You go try to find out what's going on, and you find yourself in a position of being turned around where immigration is an issue or being shut down where hate and um, racism are in place or where sexism takes over or or where you're being discriminated against because you're not the per- looking like, acting like, walking like, talking like the person in front of you. In the midst of that combat, believers have to remember that God warned his people Touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm. We always leave that for leaders, but baby, if you're a believer in Christ, he's talking about you. He's talking about don't mess with my children. He wasn't pointing just at David. David was even saying it for everybody. Touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm. Leave these people alone. It stands as a warning to the non-believer and as a comfort to the believer not just for those who are pastor or preacher or minister or evangelist or whatever title or apostle or priest or, or whatever else you want to come up with. It is for the body of Christ. It is for the believers, those of us who carry the good news in our very being. The church must boast in the holy name of God and meditate upon his wondrous work, inquire after him, 
before all else. Seek him above all else. And in order that she may be confirmed in communion with him and be preserved as extended as his inheritance in the world, for this has she been chosen and called by, by God. But she has in many enemies who aim to cast her down from the position of high privilege. This is what the enemy seeks to do to us. He knows that we sit high. You think about Jesus sit high. Well, we are a joint inheritors. We sit high. God has put us in a high place. He has confirmed his place, our place in him. He has given us the ability to have confidence in an intended conclusion, connected to certainty, and covered in combat. Does that sound familiar? Yes, I'm going to do it like the Baptist preachers do it because it is the truth, and the truth will set us free. It is that Jesus gave us an intended conclusion by coming here, teaching us how to live, and then dying on the cross that we might not have to die, that we might live and not die. I'm not talking about the flesh not dying. This old body is going to die, but my spirit, my soul, I will live on in Christ. We will live on in Christ because we belong to God. We are connected to certainty. Yes, Jesus went to the grave, but he was certain that he was going to rise in three days. In fact, he says, on the third day, I'm going to get up with all power in my hand. People didn't believe it. How can you tear down the temple and rebuild it again in three days? That's because you don't know that the temple is the very church. It is the people of God, and they can get down and get right back up just like I did. Everything is about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And when we go further, we're covered in the combat. Oh, my God. Every place Jesus went down and took the keys to the grave. And now we live again. I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied my every moan. Long as I live and trouble come, I'll hasten to his throne. This is what is for real. When we belong to God, no matter what it looks like around us, we are certain. We are certain. We have confidence in an intended conclusion. We are connected to the certainty of God. He is not going to lie. He is not a man. And we are covered in the midst of combat. Hallelujah. The word of God for the people of God. All thanks be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you all. I thank you all. There's only one way to get these kind of benefits from God, and I, I don't want to hang, out, hang up without giving that opportunity because all it takes is for you to bow your head and tell the Lord you want him to be Lord over your life. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe <laughs> that you died to pay for my sins. 
I'm not perfect, but you are perfect. I believe God raised you from the dead to take over for me, to take on my sins. I believe Jesus took on my sins just by me asking him into my life. And with that, I am saved. That's all you got to do. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're excited or not. It's in knowing that being God entitles you to complete victory. Yes, in the midst of the worst of circumstances, in the midst of wars, in the midst of martyrdom, in the midst of people taking out people just because of how they look or how they act or the fact that they are not male or the fact that they don't necessarily fit into our heterosexual or or whatever whatever sexual or anything. Nobody is going to listen to you unless you know God. It ain't... It, I'm just going to say this. God loves each and every one of his children. All he asks is that you confirm that love by giving your life to Christ. And that's what's for real. Amen. And amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, God. We thank and bless God for the Reverend Dr. Eileen Maddox and that in her ministry for real ministry, but especially for that word that came forth this evening. And for those of you who missed it, hallelujah, she said in the name of Jesus, y'all better start telling the enemy, hands off, hands off my joy, hands off my peace, hands off my deliverance, hands off my healing, hallelujah, hands off my comfort. We got to start quoting God's word when we find ourselves going through things. Again, we thank and bless God for Reverend Dr. Eileen Maddox. She will be back in one second to close us out in prayer. And by faith, we want to encourage that soul that gave their life to Christ this evening to find a Bible-believing, teaching, preaching sanctuary where they can grow in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and heal from the trials and the tribulations of this world. But until they do, bless God, that is why he has Purpose Kingdom Network here just for you. Please join us tomorrow evening, tomorrow evening for another broadcast of Purpose Kingdom Network. We will be broadcasting at 9 p.m. with One Touch Transformation and the host, Minister Arsenius Jackson, you do not want to miss that word from God tomorrow evening. Right here on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. We invite you to follow us via any of our social media pages. We are on Facebook as well as on LinkedIn at Purpose Kingdom. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Purpose underscore Kingdom. You can also join us via our webpage, which is www.pknradio, www.p for Purpose, K for Kingdom, N for Network, PKN Radio, where you can reach out to any of the hosts, you will be able to reach out with us directly, and most importantly, God has blessed that we are able to broadcast gospel music 24 hours a day for the inspiration of your soul. Again, we thank and bless God for each and every listener out there. We would like to welcome France to 
the Purpose Kingdom Network listening audience. We thank you for joining in with um, us this evening. And, Rev, the ministry is in your hands to close us out. Amen. Amen. We thank God for your going back and talking about hands off because that's what it's all about. Uh, Keep your hands off because we live under the benefits of God. I pray God has given you something that encourages you to move, to continue on your journey, journey knowing that no matter what it looks like, sounds like, walks like, talks like, that there is certainty in everything that God does. There's confidence in an intended conclusion that we are connected to certainty and that we're covered in combat. My prayer is that somebody's life was changed and the process of transformation continues. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We magnify you. We lift you up. And now unto those, now unto the only one that is able to keep us from falling, be the glory, honor, and power forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, and thank God. Jesus led. He raised me, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. I will not lose. Never want to see me down, I will not lose.